0: This is episode 183 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. This episode begins our most recent event, Men's Roundup 2022, Community and Connection with Pastor Chad Moore. This is session one from Friday night. kind of thing. How many of you come from a background like me? Can you just help a brother out for a second? Okay, all right, I'm going to stretch you just a little bit. Would you help a brother out? I'm looking for a yes right now. Would you help a brother out? Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, As we pray, here's what I would like you to do, and I'm not going to make you lift your hands up high or or any of that, but just there uh, in your seat, Um, whether you're outside or or whether you're here in, in the room. Um, whether you are uh, new to Christianity or whether you've been in church a long time, uh, whether you uh, would die for the faith or whether you're not sure what you believe, wherever you are on the journey, here's what I want to ask you to do to help a brother out. I'm going to ask you to pray for yourself. And I'm going to ask you if you would right now, just your hands on your lap, all right, when you're not going to get too crazy, would you just turn your palms up just like that? And here's why I'm asking you to do this, okay? And I'm not going to make us do crazy stuff every time. We're just going to start crazy, okay? Just lift your palms up. What that is, is that's a posture of receiving. When we kneel in prayer, that's a posture of humility. What I'm asking you right now is to have a posture of receiving, because here's what I believe. God has a word for you. No matter where you've been or what you've done or what's been done to you, God loves you. And he cares for you. And he wants you to know him. And I just believe that in his sovereignty, that means in in the reality that he's in charge of all things, I just believe that you're not here tonight by accident. That you're here because he has something for you. And so in a posture of receiving, let's bow our heads and, and pray together. And in your own heart and mind, would you just ask God, by the power of his spirit, to speak to you tonight and this weekend. I'm going to give you a few seconds to do that. And I'm going to pray for all of us. Holy Spirit. You are the one who reveals the word of God to our hearts. And so I pray, come Holy Spirit. Right now we give you our hearts and our minds and our focus. And in a posture of receiving, we prepare ourselves for what you have for us tonight and this weekend. And so we ask that you would lead and and guide us and speak to us. Holy Spirit, for my part, I'm going to ask in the next few moments that we have together that it be my vocal cords, but Holy Spirit, your voice. Nobody needs to hear from me. Um, Everybody needs to hear from you. And so I pray that um, you would just take over. Uh, It's your word that we're going to uh, read. And so as the author, would you give us wisdom? in a posture of receiving we want to hear from you and so speak to us we pray we want to receive in Jesus name amen amen Amen. Amen. so we're going to talk about relationships tonight and uh over the next couple of days and just know that life is all about relationships all that matters all that matters when it's all said and done is is God and people I'm going to say that again. When it's all said and done, all that matters is is God and people. But relationships are are hard. Uh, He was talking about his marriage just a moment ago. Uh, I've been married for 21 years. And um, (laughs) some of you guys who have a little more wisdom on top of your head than me or maybe no hair at all, right? Because gray hair is a sign of wisdom. Some of you, I just said 21 years and you went... Thanks for blinking, dude, right? Like, that was, a, that was a millisecond. I've been married for 21 years. I have two boys. Uh, my oldest is 19. I'm parenting a young adult. How many of you dudes are parenting a young adult right now? Okay. That is, that is not easy. Pray for me. I'll, I'll pray for you. And then I, I'm also uh, parenting a, a 13-year-old who's here with me uh, this weekend, and I'm excited to have him, to have him here. Life is about relationships. When it's all said and done, all that matters is is God and people. Uh, But relationships are hard. And sometimes as men, we have this idea that that we're not created to be relational. Uh, That's a lie. Uh, God looked at you and said, oh, it's not good for that dude to be alone. And so he created Eve, you know, and then family, and then uh, God is the one, by the way, who put together the idea of cities and civilization, all that, all that comes from God. Uh, when it's all said and done and we go to heaven, that's a city. <laughs> it's the new Jerusalem. And I'm super happy that it's a big city because we can all get pizza in the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? And my guess is it's, it's pretty good there. Uh, life, life is relational, but relationships are hard. Uh, I'm from Texas. Uh, I was born and raised in Texas. Uh, I've been in Arizona now for over 18 years, pastor in this church in the East Valley of Phoenix called Sun Valley. Um, if you're like, well, where's your accent? Well, I used to talk like this and it was really, really strong. But then I realized when you talk like this, people automatically deduct about 50 points from your IQ. <laughs> so over time, I had to kind of change that and speak a little more you know, eloquently, right? Uh, but my wife is from Scotland. And uh, she was in the States about a year when we got married, and uh, she came to the States to go to school in Texas. And so she really had to work on her accent just so that people could understand her. But relationships are difficult, and I remember the, the day we got married. I was standing up front, you can picture it in your mind, and she was coming down the aisle, and my wife is the most beautiful woman that Scotland has ever produced. And if I showed you a picture of her right now, you you, you would agree. If you ever go to Scotland, you're like, where's the beautiful women? I married the one. (laughs) And she just took it all in, okay? Ryan, if your wife is from Scotland, I love you, bro. But, you know, I got the best one, okay. But I remember her walking down the aisle. And as she walked down the aisle, because she's from Scotland, we had a bagpiper play. And he was playing Amazing Grace. And I remember standing there watching my wife come down the aisle. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. This is beautiful. And then I had this quick thought. You know how your brain just kind of goes, oh, look, a bird, and it kind of goes sideways? Does anybody else's brain do that? I just had this thought in this beautiful, like, romantic, amazing moment. The piper, you know, I can see her. She's coming down the aisle. I thought to myself, oh, man, anytime I've heard bagpipes in a movie, somebody was going to war. That's a true story, and I had this thought, and I'm like, "Am I getting married or am I going to war?" And come to find out, it's a little bit of both. That's exactly right. Uh, life is about relationships, but relationships are difficult. For example, men, you know that look your wife gives you when she really wants to make out. Yeah, me neither. You guys apparently know what I'm talking about. And if you're not married, one day you will. Things change over time, just a little bit. You have to get real intentional. Life's about relationships. In fact, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is not on the screen. The quality of your life will be determined by the quality of your relationships. The quality of your life... Just for you, brother. The quality of your life will be determined by the quality of your your relationships. When it's all said and done, all that matters is is God and and people. Uh, I'm from Texas. I I grew up in a a very legalistic, uh, fundamental uh, Southern Baptist church. And uh, I grew up in church. Uh, I was at church nine months before I was born. Because my mom played the piano. And so all through, you know, being in the oven, I was up there in the front while my mom played hymns on the, on the piano. And so I, I grew up in church and my mom drugged me to church. My parents divorced uh, when, I was, when I was eight. Uh, how many of you, just to kind of give a sobering statistic here, just to help a brother out uh, in another way, how many of you, uh, your parents are divorced? Just a show of hands. All right, keep your hands up for a second. Just look around the room, okay? I'm going to give you a statistic that's going to bug you. Go ahead and put your hands down. Um, Seven point, no. It's 79.8% of children of divorce will divorce themselves. That's almost 80%. Um, So I I grew up in Texas, um, raised by a single mom, and she drug us to church every week. I always say that joke, you know, I had a drug problem when I was a kid. (laughs) Mom drug me to church all the time. Uh, My mom remarried when I was a freshman in high school, and in my later high school years um, in Mesquite, Texas, uh, played football, thought I was cool. I started just thinking about some things, and, and I got tired of going to church. I thought it was boring, and I was tired of somebody yelling at me, and I was tired of, of living two different lives. I was a really good church kid. I knew all the stories, and I knew some Bible, and I could sing some songs, but I kind of wanted to do whatever I wanted to do the rest of the time. And So when I got to be a junior, senior in high school, I was like, I think I'm out. Uh, I don't know that I really believe this stuff. And so I I had a couple of years of uh, just walking away, and I rebelled some. I I didn't just go totally nuts, uh, but I I was in a state of of rebellion. And I was going to a junior college, and I started working for this swimming pool store. And the manager of the store was going to a school called Dallas Theological Seminary. And I knew a little bit about it. I knew he was kind of doing the Jesus thing. I wasn't into that anymore. But Robert was going there, and, and we built a friendship. And I didn't know it, but he was intentionally building a friendship with me. And um, one night, we were sitting at the dining room table there in my mom and stepdad's home. And my friend Robert said, you know, Chad, um, you grew up in church. You've kind of walked away. He said, but if you could sum it all up, because you know the Bible story, you know, Noah's Ark, all that stuff. He said, if you could sum it all up, he said, what is the Christian life all about? And then he just stared at me. He wasn't going to let me off the hook. He said, what's the Christian life all about? And rhetorically, just to yourself, how, how would you answer that question? What is the Christian life all about? And he asked me that, and he, he just stared at me. And, and I kind of hemmed and hawed, And the best that I could come up with is is this. Well, um, you're not supposed to sin. And he said, okay. The the, the full summation of 17 years, because I walked away when I was 17, of going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night for visitation, Wednesday night for youth group, and then some other events. Can anybody else feel my pain right now? The full summation of all of that church attendance was you're not supposed to sin. And he said, I tell you what. He goes, what, what if we just looked in the Bible to answer that question? And he reached in his back pocket and he had one of those little red New Testaments. You guys remember those? I, I, it might have been a Gideon. He might have stole it from somewhere, you know. But he pulled that out and he he turned to the few verses of scripture that I want us to look at tonight. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. And he said, let's just read this together. And he actually had, had me read it. What is the Christian life all about? Some context. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's going to be praying for you and for me later on in this chapter in John 17. But here's the passage starts, he's beginning this this prayer. And here's what he says, follow along with me in your Bible, they're here on the screen. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, he knows he's going to be going to the cross very soon. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. We're going to come back to that here in just a minute. Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And so I'm reading this, and my friend Robert says, okay, man, stop right there. He says the next verse what you're about to read, because Jesus just talked about eternal life. He said the next verse, he's going to define what that is. He he said in in the very next verse, because Jesus came to give us eternal life. For all of you who grew up in church and for all of you who are new, uh, Jesus came to give us eternal life. The question is, the question is, what is that? And the verse of scripture that we're about to read radically changed my life. The light bulb came on. Everything changed. It was, it's almost like the blinders were removed. Like I was in the dark and somebody flipped a switch. Because the full summation of my, quote, Christianity up to this moment was, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, and don't go with girls that do. <laughs> Welcome to a Southern Baptist church in Texas, right? At least the one I grew up in. And there's a lot of great ones, and I'm so thankful still for my, my upbringing. But it was all about don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. Jesus came to give us eternal life. Verse 3, Jesus defines what that is. Eternal life is what the cross and the resurrection is about. Eternal life is what God's unfolding redemptive plan is all about everything throughout history which is ultimately his story is about eternal life it's why we were created it's why you're breathing in and out right now it's why in the sovereignty of God he has you here at men's roundup this weekend all of it all of it all of it is eternal life so what is it He says, this is eternal life. These are the words of Jesus. That they may know you. That they may know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ. Whom you have sent. And I read that verse. And Robert said, read that again. This is eternal life. That they may know you. The one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And Robert said, Chad, according to the Bible, what's the Christian life all about? It's about knowing God. It's about knowing God. It's about knowing God. When Jesus says knowing God, he's not talking about information. It's bigger than that. He's not talking about something educational. He's talking about something relational. My 13 my year old son is uh, with me. And um, just so you know, and I would say this with him in the room or not in the room, he is very smart. And a few years ago, he really got into football and he knows lots of stats about lots of football teams. I mean, I remember a conversation one time, and he started talking about the offensive line for the Jaguars. And I'm like, dude, the coach doesn't even know the names of the offensive line <laughs> for the Jaguars. Because nobody cares. Is everybody with me? If you're a Jaguars fan, God's grace is big enough for you too, right? <laughs> but he just knows all these things. And so uh, one particular day, he, he and I were talking, and he was playing Madden football, you know, the video game. And he had picked Brian Erlacher, famous linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Anybody know who Brian Erlacher is? He picked Brian uh, to be his linebacker. And so I'm upstairs, and I'm watching this, and he's, I, you know, Brian Erlacher. And I go, dude, you know Brian Erlacher goes to our church. And Jackson turned around and looked at me. He said, What? I said, yeah, Brian and his wife, they just started coming to, to Sun Valley. His wife's named Jennifer. I said, I had barbecue with him, you know, a couple weeks ago. He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. He said, how come I haven't met Brian Urlacher? I go, I don't know. Now, here's the thing. In that moment, I could have said, Jackson, give me some of Brian Urlacher's stats. And he would have told me some things about him. Educational. But Jackson didn't have any knowledge of him. He's not yet met him. And Jackson, I'll make that happen when we get home. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) But you see the difference? See, for me, my whole experience was educational. I could have given you God's stats. I knew some things in the playbook. But there is a difference in knowledge about God and having knowledge of God. Knowledge about God is educational. Knowledge of God is relational. And that relational thing is transformational. See, that's the Christian life. It moves from educational to relational to transformational. And here's why, are you ready? Because the Christian life is built on faith. And you know what the word faith means? It means trust. Think with me, gentlemen. Trust, by definition, is a relational word. I cannot trust someone I do not know. Now, I can take what they said and try to work that out. But really, when you get into the definition of trust, it is a relational exchange. All great relationships are built on trust. And some great relationships are broken because trust is what? Broken. But faith itself is a relational word. Why? Because it involves trust. See, biblical faith is, I receive, listen now, I receive the Spirit of God the Spirit of God into my life. That is a relational connection. We were separate, and now we are together. And by faith, in that relationship, I trust Him. It's not just a bunch of rules that we obey. That's Old Testament. If it was all about rules, Jesus would have never had to show up. Because we had all the laws, we had all the rules. There were hundreds of them, by the way. We always think about the Big Ten. Uh, There's a whole lot more. But Jesus stepped on the scene. God made flesh. And we just read it out of his own mouth. This is eternal life. That we may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, Sunday school, Bible knowledge... Didn't change my life. See, it's not just how much Bible you know, educational. It's how much Bible you show, relational. You step into it. You, you, you allow God into your life. What did we do with our hands a moment ago? Did you know the whole Christian life is about receiving? If I said, hey, what's Christian life about? Why are you supposed to give and serve? Yes, listen close, but you cannot give what you do not have. Give and serve, give and serve, give and serve. If you do that without receiving, you are running on empty, and no wonder church is boring and you're fed up and tired. Why are you even here this weekend, right? This is another church thing. The whole Christian life's about receiving. Let me prove it to you right now. Here we go, here we go, here we go. See, religion is advice. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is good news of great joy for all people. The word gospel means good news. You ever heard the word gospel? That's what the word means. It means good news. News is not something you achieve, news is something you choose whether or not you will believe and receive. See, religion is advice. Watch my hands. This is what you got to do to work your way to God. Pick any religion you want. Even even if God is not in the religion, this is what you got to do to come back as something good instead of as a slug. This is what you got to do to have better karma. This is what you got to do to meet the spirit of the whatever, right? All religion is advice. This is how you save yourself. This is what you have to do to work your way to God. Biblical Christianity is not that. It's gospel. It's good news. The angel said it this way upon the arrival of of Jesus. You know this from the Christmas story. The angel tells the shepherds, Behold, I bring you good news. That's gospel. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. What is it? Today in the city of David, that's Bethlehem. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. Savior who is the anointed one. Christ is Greek. For a Hebrew Messiah, same term, promised one from the Old Testament. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. We have a Savior. So, my answer to Robert that night was about behavior, not a Savior. See the difference? Religion is behavior. This is what you got to do to save yourself, this is what you've got to do to work your way to God. But the gospel is good news of great joy. For all people, God's worked his way to us and through the person of Jesus. Religion is, this is what you gotta do to work your way to God. The gospel is, this is what God has done to work his way to you. Will you believe it? Will you receive it? Hear this word! Will you trust it? Will you turn your palms up? Will you open your heart, your mind, your life? And will you receive? Christian life runs on receiving. That's why it's called Amazing Grace. Instead of amazing effort. (laughs) Grace is not something you can't achieve. Grace by definition is a gift. If you could achieve it, it'd be called amazing wage. Because you earned it. But it's called amazing grace. Three things to think about. And we'll break this down over, over the next couple of days together. First thing here on the screen, and you can write this down in your notes. Number one, eternal life is a relationship. Eternal life is a relationship. Do you know why heaven is heaven? Because it's got streets of gold and shiny stuff and pearly gates. Woo, I'm going to have a mansion in glory. Heaven is heaven because God is there. There is not enough shiny stuff in all the universe to slake the thirst of your soul. Your soul was made for God. And God makes heaven, heavenly. Heaven is heavenly because we understand God in the fullness of who he is. And our souls are filled. We will also love people the way we were designed to love them. We will receive love from them the way we were designed to receive love from them. All relationships will be made perfect in heaven. Relationship with God and relationship with people. Eternal life is not a destination, friends. It's a relationship. Which means if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've received him into your life, if you're, if you're part of that relationship with him, you're living eternally. Right now, you're already experiencing it, which means one of these days, you're going to die, and you might not even know it, because you're going to go from this to that, and you're going to make that transition to the the extent, listen close, that you never taste death. It's just a relationship that comes to full fruition in a moment. God makes heaven heavenly. If you don't care that God is in heaven, there's a good chance you're not gonna be there. This is really important stuff, friends. It's, it's relational, it's relational. Eternal life is a relationship, it's knowledge of God. You can know all the stats you want, but it's not knowledge about God, it's knowledge of God. It's not educational, it's relational, and that's what changes your life, that's what moves us to transformational. Number two, the Bible is about relationships. I never knew this until the Holy Spirit got a a hold of me and I actually started reading the Bible. (laughs) If you read it, it helps, you know. Uh, The Bible is about relationships. Think with me. We're going to go macro real real quick. I'm going to give you some theology here. Just hang tight, all right? Actually, all of this is theology if you're paying attention. But, But hang tight. God, in his very essence, the who and what he is, is he's relational. I'm going to prove it to you with this. It's the doctrine of the Trinity. The Trinity is one God. One God expressed in three persons. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and yet one God. So don't think addition, one plus one plus one equals three. Just think multiplication. One times one times one equals what? One. Amen. One. Okay, so you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, and yet one God. And are you like, can you explain that, Pastor Chad? No, I can't, all right? By the way, it's one of the reasons I believe the Bible is legit, because nobody would have made that up. <laughs> and, it, and, and, it, and if you did, you wouldn't go with it, because it's a really hard sell. You with me? But when we talk about the Bible, we're talking about the mystery that is the creator. We are the created. Obviously, he transcends what we can possibly understand. He is infinite and we are, we are finite. But you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and He's always been that. God, in His very essence, is relational. God doesn't get lonely. He can't. John said that God is love. Well, how could He be love before He created anything if there was nothing to love? The very essence of who and what He is, He is relational. Which begs the question, and, and here's, here's where you and I come in. Because you, you think to yourself, you know, well, why did God create all of us and Adam and Eve and give them free will and they screwed up everything and now the world's broken? You know, why did, why did God go that route, right? Well, was it because he was lonely and he wanted to get love? Oh, no, he already had that. Father, Son, and Spirit. We read just a moment ago, I told you we'd come back to it. Jesus has always glorified the Father. And the Father has always glorified the Son. And the Spirit has always glorified the Father and the Son. So why did he create us? To get love? No, 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 friends. To give it. Everybody look at me, gentlemen. He created you to love you. That's why you were born. He created you to love you. He created you that so you might know him. He he created you for eternal life, which is knowledge of him. This is why you're breathing in and out right now. You were created for him to love you. And he loves you. No matter where you've been or what you've done or what's been done to you. In fact, he loves you as you are, not as you should be. Because none of us are as we should be. Beginning with me. He realizes... God specializing, specializes in loving screwed up people. You know that, right? God specializes in loving screwed up people. Why? Because that's all he has to work with. The cross is there because we're all screwed up. And God proved his love for, in, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All the Bible's about relationships. Okay, I'm going to do the run quick, hang on tight. So this being who is one and yet three, three and yet one, creates two, their names were Adam and Eve, and says, okay, I want you two to become one. We call it marriage, the Bible calls it a mystery. (laughs) The mingling of two souls. That takes a lifetime, and then some, and a whole lot of power of the Holy Spirit. God goes to a man named Abram, changes his name to Abraham, says, out of you, I'm going to, I'm gonna build a relationship with, with a people. This is gonna be my people. And so I'm gonna give you the whole Old Testament. You ready? And so God's people, God blesses them, you know, takes care of them. And and then they're like, ooh, things are going really well. I don't think we need to pray anymore. And so they start to rebel and move away. And then all of a sudden, things start to get bad because they've left God out. And so they start praying again because everybody prays when the plane's going down. And so they repent. And because God is good and gracious and and kind, God steps in again and saves them. And, And they're up here again. And they're in a time of blessing. And they're like, oh, man, things are so great. I don't know that we need to pray anymore. And they forget about God. When they forget about God, things start to go really bad. And then they get down here and they're like, things are terrible. Maybe we should pray again. We think it's come to that. And because they start praying again, God says, because he's full of grace and truth and kindness and mercy and compassion, he saves them again, and and they come out, and and they're doing really good, and they're doing really good, oh, maybe we don't need God anymore, and so all of a sudden, you know, they forget God, and then things get really bad, and they start to pray again, because everybody prays when the plane's going down, and then they come over here, and God rescues them again, and then all of a sudden, they're good again, and I just gave you the whole Old Testament in 30 seconds, and if I'm really, really honest, that looks somewhat like my life. (laughs) everybody got quiet on that yeah no I told you yeah (laughs) atheists pray when the plane's going down just in case (laughs) New Testament God does something awesome right he always does awesome things that's the only thing he's got is awesome because of his love for you this infinite eternal spirit God without any boundaries or limitations that has a personality intellect, feelings and will wraps himself up in a little bitty baby in flesh Mary did you know right were y'all thinking that But that infinite eternal spirit without any boundaries or limitations that has an intellect, personality, feelings, and will wants you to know him. There's all these things in the Old Testament. We're like, what is God doing? Listen, (laughs) we are the finite trying to understand the infinite. That's like me wanting to save an ant in the ant mound. And I'm trying to yell at them when lawnmowers come and move. And they don't understand me. So I dig up the ant mound, and they're like, what is going on? Some ants die in the process. I'm moving it because I love the ants, right? And I put it down again. And all the ants are writing about this, going, he's mean. And I'm going, I'm not mean. I wish these ants could fully understand. But the only way they can understand the largeness of me is for me to wrap myself up into the smallness of them. Because I have an intellect, personality, feelings, and will. Because I too was created in the image of God. And if I wanted the ants to understand me, I would have to become one of them. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He is the full representation of the invisible God. He's God with a bod. You'll remember that, won't you? Get a tattoo or something. Mm. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. All the Bible is about relationships. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He gives a relational answer. Love God and love people. All the law and all the prophets hang on those two commandments. You get that one right, you get them all right. Jesus said, the world will know you by the quality of your relationships. Specifically by your love one for another. The church exploded in the book of Acts because of generosity, because of love, because of radical grace, acceptance, forgiveness. It's relational. Jesus says eternal life is relational, it's about knowing God. And then it ends. We don't go to heaven, heaven comes here, and everything is made relationally perfect. Let me just go a little further. Man with nature. Ta da! Perfect. Man with animals. Da-da. Perfect. I always wonder if C.S. Lewis had it right. Do you think we'll be able to talk to animals? I don't know. We read about a talking snake and we're all like, that is some weird, what is going on? Hey, it was the Garden of Eden. It was the way it's supposed to be. So it could be I could talk to my Rhodesian Ridgeback in the future, right? And he could tell me what he wants instead of just whining to me. That's a big dog if you don't know what that is. That's our dog. But heaven comes down, the world's made perfect. We know God completely, our souls are fully at rest, and we have perfect relationship with each other. The whole Bible's about relationships, last one, and I'll wrap up. Christian maturity is relational. Christian maturity is relational. And if you've been in church a long time, let me just tell you this straight. It's not how much Bible you know, it's how much Bible you show. It's not how knowledgeable you are, it's how loving you are. How quick are you to forgive? It's do you have the fruit basket in your life. You know what the fruit basket is? It's of the Holy Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All relational words. All relational words. Christian maturity is relational. Which is why the people that knew the most about the law crucified Jesus. They misunderstood what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. It's not educational, friends. It is relational. And the re- relational understanding of God only comes through obedience and trust. How do you love God? You obey Him. How do we love people? Well, we love our neighbor like we love ourselves. Two more things. i to pray for us. Remember the time Jesus was preaching the best sermon ever? He goes, hey, because we, we, th- we think it's about religion, right? That's the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, hey, um, if you're given your offering and you remember that your brother has something against you, uh, stop doing what you're doing, that religious activity, and go make it right with your brother. What's he saying? Relationship is more important than religious activity. And since I'm a pastor, I'm going to include this. And then Jesus also said, but then come back and give your offering, okay? Keep it real with you. (laughs) Peter said that for being a jerk to our wives, it affects our prayers. Because God looks at the heart, not just at the mouth. These things are massive, friend. In the end, all that matters is God and people. Would you write that down? It's going to come here on the screen. In the end, all that matters is God and people. Would you all say that out loud with me? Let's say it together. In the end, all that matters is God and people. Let's say it again. In the end, all that matters is God and people. What we're going to do in the morning, tomorrow night, Sunday morning, is we're going to look at the three pillars of great relationships. God works these things in us, in our relationship with him, And we work it out amongst us in our relationship with everybody else. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your grace. Thank you that it's amazing grace. That all we have to do (laughs) is receive and trust. Holy Spirit, I can't teach that. I pray that you will reveal it. I pray over the next couple of days, as a result of our time, you'll strengthen our marriages, you'll strengthen our parenting, you'll strengthen our friendships, you'll strengthen our relationship with colleagues, but God, you'll strengthen our relationship with those who don't know you, you'll strengthen our relationships in the church, you'll strengthen our relationships here at Roundup, God, may you work it in, and may we work it out, in the name of Jesus we trust, amen.